the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. My goodness, here we are. It's Groundhog Day. It is Wednesday. It is obviously February 2nd. I hope you enjoyed. I thought uh, Dan McGowan was just uh, terrific last hour. And, folks, we're going to continue to monitor this, the situation that is is happening right now and and what i'm talking about is just the the situation that that's going on um o- overseas with russia ukraine um the, w- whenever you hear about you know the 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 military buildup you know that's always cause for concern and because you know anyone that has followed history <clears throat> it's um it's usually it's a you know a, a toe in the water, and we have seen. I don't need to. I don't know if I have to go through. You know how many times have we kind of been down this road? It starts off the United States is just in a role of maybe they're um, in this case you know training individuals and, and uh, troops, <clears throat> and but anytime our troop levels start to go up in this situation, it's. Um, it's perilous. It's it's an unknown. Uh, I do not have. Uh, I believe that Putin <clears throat> is trying to test the United States, test President Biden. I don't think Tony Blinken is up for the job. It's um, it's a lot to be concerned about, folks. This portion of the program, as we kick things off for our noon report live. Good afternoon to everybody tuning in on Facebook Live. Uh, if you find my page, John DePietro Show, you can find it. This portion of the program. It's brought to you by Pat Elston. That's right. It's Pat. Realtor Pat Elston. Happy birthday again. Caldwell Banker Realty, based in Cumberland. 20 years experience. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. For crying out loud, call her. I'll bet someone's listening right now saying, wait a minute, Pat Elston? Patty Elston helped me get my first home or first building. Call her. Yesterday was her birthday, for crying out loud. Wish her a happy birthday. You know, as I like to tell people, the current real estate market, you know, it's strong if you have the right realtor. This is not a time for amateur hour. Call. Caldwell Bank or Realtor. From what I understand, a number of candidates that are thinking of jumping into the congressional CD race, too. And we're going to speak with a PC professor coming up about that race in just a few moments. But they are calling Pat Elston, 401 Four seven four fifty two fifty three. Now, I also want to mention I received uh, an email from, uh, let's see, from Leo. Leo, uh, dear Juan, my brother was in a car accident yesterday. Was not his fault. Person uh, misjudged how they were pulling out on some ice and hit the back of my brother's car. What is the name of the auto body shop that you recommend? Leo, it's West Fountain Auto Body. Call them. Kenny Salvatore, they're waiting for your call. Folks, if you're listening right now, you find yourself in an accident. Boom. Drunk driver. Illegal. Snow and ice. People that are high. Uh, people that just aren't paying attention. People that are on the phone. People that are, there's a variety of different reasons. Call West Fountain Auto Body. 401 272-3344-401. That's who I called when the protesters vandalized my car, right? BLM and Tifa. How about the fact and Tifa's actually in the news? I don't know if you saw that locally. We know who's behind it, but I'll I'll touch on that. But again, when they vandalized my car at the protest, what did I do? I I called and I brought it into West Fountain Auto Body, uh, Kenny and Patricia, and they fixed it immediately. Folks, you can depend West Fountain Auto Body. I wouldn't send you anywhere where I wouldn't go. That's where I went, West Fountain Auto Body. When um, my son was driving to a Celtics game and someone hit his truck, where did we get it fixed? West Fountain Auto Body. It's not even a thought. That's, boom, immediately where we bring it. You should do the same. Located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They're right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. You can't get any safer than that. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Good afternoon to everybody. Hola, this is Freddie on Facebook Live. Folks, Juan was out last night, as you know. More shootings 
in the city. I mentioned, um, you know, I, I have reported on this in the past, but I'm glad it's finally coming into the mainstream media. A couple of stories that we've kind of been ahead of the pack on. One is, you know, I've talked about, and I've been talking about this for over a year and a half, the fact that these members of Antifa that come into our area in part of the recruiting and, you know, they have this whole process. And as I've talked about, one of the things they do is they sacrifice animals. And finally now, this is after a year and a half I've been talking about this. Uh, if you remember, they killed the dog at that protest there. And let me just explain. The members are Antifa, right, that are anti-police, anti-government. <clears throat> they uh, they claim they're anti-fascists. They're actually, they're the fascists. The biggest headquarters of them is located right in Providence, near off of Cranston Street. The They call it the West End and near the Cranston Street Armory. That is the biggest. And you've gone over there. And I have done how many reports now that you see cars from Seattle where they come in to train. I've talked about, you know, they killed the dog that time at the protest. They've killed other animals. Part of it, that's how nuts they are. That's how nuts they are. Now, I also want to be very clear. The Antifa members that I have seen are all white. So this is not someone said, see, that's a Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, I have not seen that. It is the members of Antifa. They're white. They're vicious. They're whacked out on fentanyl. They're the lowest of the low. They want to defund the police. They preach violence towards police. And now you have the Humane Society that is offering $5,000 reward. Any who can lead investigators, those responsible, ritualistic sacrificial killings of several chickens, the way they're killing them. It's brutal and it's not consistent with humane killing and so forth. So found in the area, uh, they were killed somewhere else, transported there. They found some. This is how whack they are. They they bring them to city halls. They brought them to Warwick City Hall, Providence City Hall. Um, they They put them on the side of a road. They put them in uh, a police officer's front yard. They were all deliberately tormented and killed. This this is Antifa, where the chickens were upside down prior to their uh, deaths, internal trauma, hit with something. That's who it is. That's who it is. I've been reporting on it. We filmed it one night. They were behind. They call it the Dexter Street Playground. They're nuts. They're total trash, but they're crazy. But at least it's finally hitting the airwaves. And then also, if you heard our guest yesterday, you know, um, we've been talking for some time about some of these flights that have been coming into Quonset and they're not being logged. And the New York Post was able to get some body cam footage of it happening in New York. And then they were able to um, identify that they were flights coming out from the border. Again, now I want to be very clear. People have asked me, about Quonset, it is my understanding, sources I have there that first tipped me off to it, that they, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the quite, uh, flights into Quonset as of right now have been suspended. And they're instead going into New York and then transporting them by bus up to the, the Rhode Island area. They're still coming into Rhode Island, but for whatever reason, they're not using the Quonset airport. So I, I don't know. Now, that, that could be temporary. It could be permanent. They could resume. Right now, it's 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 fluid. But that's another story. And, folks, if you go to the website, dipetro.com, you can see the um, information that we have about that, the reporting on it. Again, it's it's one of those stories that, for whatever reason, the local media, they just don't have any interest in going after. Now, there's a lot to touch on. The, the, the biggest thing, and as I said, listen, everything... All these stories are important. We're going to talk to a professor of Providence College coming up 1230 about the congressional um, race, CD2, as we call it, with um, someone who I, I have been reading his stuff. I'm blown away by it. I think he's fantastic. We're going to talk to him coming up at the bottom of the hour. We also have, how about Jeff Zucker has resigned from CNN? Z, CNN is in complete, total collapse. And this started with the Chris Cuomo probe, by the way. So right now... The liberal mainstream media, they are, this is not a good time. Whoopi Goldberg finally suspended for her anti-Semitic talk. Um, it's about time that she get called, gets called out on it. By the way, if, they, if people thought that suspending her, and I'm not saying that ABC thought that they were going to do this, but if they thought by suspending her 
that that was um, could have going to put an end to a lot of the anti-Semitic talk. They, they're totally wrong because the language online that I'm not going to repeat <clears throat> where see people like Whoopi Goldberg and others, they feel. And, you know, it started with you had the DJ Nick Cannon. And he said these anti-Semitic things and he was given a free pass. There is this growing feeling. You had, you know, the squad. You had, you know, for years, obviously, Jesse Jackson, but even far more recent. Um, But I'm going to go to you that Rep Omar was saying, you know, the thing about, you know, Israel and all these Jewish reps, it's all about the Benjamins. There has been consistent anti-Semitic talk, but there has been a lot of it from members of the black community. And so my point is, like with Nick Cannon, and I recognize a lot of people won't know who he is, but he he basically took a month off. Um, What he said normally, the person could have been terminated. There there was a tolerance level for people of color to make anti-Semitic remarks. That's just a fact. And there's a pattern of it. So Whoopi Goldberg who was suspended from The View for two weeks, she she thought you, you can't, if, if the conversation is about race, as a woman of color, I, I can say whatever I want because you're not going to do anything to me because I'm a woman of color. So I can basically engage in discussion on race without any retribution. ABC News said, whoa, 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 time out, guess again, two-week suspension. If this had been um, a Meghan McCain, if this had been um, a person, uh, listen, if this had been someone Caucasian, they would have been terminated. She got a two-week suspension because of her race. And and she's so, see, this is a good example where she she doesn't belong discussing the news of the day because she doesn't know what she's talking about. You know, anyone and this is, you know, this kind of falls hand in hand with the fact that a lot of schools, the the new education, they say, forget about we're not going to teach about Anne Frank anymore. We're not going to teach about the Holocaust. Instead, all we're going to talk about is critical race theory. And there's a danger there because people do need to learn that Hitler considered the Jewish people as the inferior race. He considered the Nazis, the German people as the superior race. So for her to say it wasn't about race, you know, the irony there is that that's exactly what's missing from today's education. And the more they want to remove that from the schools and the more that they have all this such a focus on race. But notice the whole focal point is on really black race. It is. On people of color, African-Americans. And President Biden is dumbfounded by this, right? He said, I'm going to make sure the next person on the Supreme Court, I'm going to make sure that the next person on is, in fact, a female woman of color. 76% of 77% of Americans disagree with that. He's dumbfounded by it. Absolutely dumbfounded by it. What's going on here? So um, the, 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 the fact is that suddenly a lot of people are saying if you wanted a more diverse court, look, look what's going on with both the Ivy Leagues and Asian Americans that are saying, you know, how is it fair that you can discriminate and say you, you, that you, you have enough Asian Americans at your college or university? person we're going to be speaking with is Adam Myers, Associate Professor of Political Science at Providence College, coming up at 1230. Um, so there's backlash on that. There's members of the Latino community that are saying, why are you eliminating that perhaps a good candidate may be a, a Latina or, or, you know, a, a man, God forbid, or or maybe it, it should be that my point is there's a lot of people that could fall under the umbrella of diversity. As we discussed with Donna Perry yesterday, look what happened in the city of Boston when they said, you know, we're going to have a race. And it was an election for mayor of Boston um, because 
Obviously, they they had an opening. Marty Walsh, right, joined uh, the Biden administration, and they they had an election, and Michelle Wu won. But under the the Biden guidelines of must be a woman of color, Michelle Wu would not be the mayor of Boston. But she is a young woman and Asian, and it is a form of diversity. So there's there's a lot of backlash on that, and I think there's going to be more backlash on this. As much as people want to ignore it, you know, look at the Brian Flores lawsuit about the NFL and the hiring practices. And I can't even begin to explain. I could do a full hour on how much that must just be killing Patriot coach Bill Belichick. For him to be dragged in to the middle of this because of those text messages, because he confused which Brian he was communicating with. Uh, you, you, you can't even imagine. Um, but we'll, that's, that's a topic for another time. Folks, this portion of the program on this Wednesday, Groundhog Day, where winter's going to continue, unfortunately, is brought to you by It's Coogie. It's Coogan Heating. Call them today, 401-732-6562. R.E. Coogan Heating. 24 emergency service. Listen. Um, they're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. As Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. You're having a problem with your heating or plumbing. Call Coogan Heating today. They're on Facebook, Coogan Heating, and you can also find them online, recooganheating.com, or call them 401-732-6562. Folks, right now at 1222, good afternoon. But what I was starting to say to start off the show is with all these different things, Nothing dominates the news cycle more and changes the dynamic of everything than if we go to war. If we are dragged into a conflict with Russia and Ukraine, everything else goes by the side. Everything else goes by the side. Let's hope that that is not the case. And that's something to pray for. But everything else pales comparison. If the United States gets involved with a military conflict with Russia and Ukraine. And I am not convinced. You know, you have to ask yourself, do I, you know, what Coach Belichick says the beginning, before every game, what does he ask himself? Am I putting the best possible team on the field to give us a chance to win? That's all you got to think about. Am I putting the best possible team on the field in order to give the, the team a chance to win? If the if the answer is no, then you got to make adjustments. So when it comes to the situation with uh, Russia, Ukraine, you have to ask yourself, do we really have the best possible people to avoid war and try to come with some resolution? I, I think based on the way President Biden, Tony Blinken, I, I don't believe we do. I don't think we have the best possible team on the field. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show on this Wednesday is brought to you by Endzone Sports Pub. Now, remember, you can pop in, watch your favorite sports team, clean, friendly place. I was there just two weeks ago. Karaoke, Friday and Saturday night, starts at 8.30. You know, a lot of people actually like to just go out and sing for a little while. End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop in and see them today. You can also find them on Facebook. So, folks, good afternoon. Now, I want to also say this. I know there's a lot of talk about, um, we had Leader Filippi on the mask mandates in school. And you also have um, Governor McKee extending his emergency orders. So all I can tell you about that, (coughs) excuse me, is, you know, there's an election coming up in November. And for all the people that are upset, you have some options. Number one, you can hold it against your rep for not stepping up and doing something um, about that situation, or someone listening could in fact run for office. It's it's very obvious to me that, and you're not wrong, that you know there, there's many people that are disappointed and upset with the lack of representation that you have at the Rhode Island State House. And I would argue, you know, a lot of people have misconceptions about running for office. <clears throat> I'm telling you. I think you just make it about the masking of the children. Because as I have said in the past and we have talked about, and Donna Perry, I thought, said it um, brilliantly the other day. And we talked about it. Michelle Goldberg had that piece in the New York Times. And it's really simple. This business of 
you know, let's let kids take their mask off after the surge. This is ridiculous. They're doing more harm to these children. And I know a bunch of people went up to the state house last night and they were testifying against it and arguing about it. And, you know, I, I had some other things going on yesterday afternoon, but I, I, I like a fair debate. You don't get a fair debate at, at the state house. Uh, Blake Philippi was right. He uh, minority leader. They're more content to just pass the buck to Governor McKee so then they can say, oh, that wasn't my decision. That was the governor through emergency order. Listen, Governor McKee. He he this is ridiculous. The, of course, children should not have masks on in, in, in schools at this point. The numbers are going down. Right. Thank God. As much as they try to scare you and scare us, Dr. Scott, there's a lot of children. Children are filling the hospitals. All lies. Not true. Right. I wasn't shedding a tear when Governor McKee got rid of her, pushed her out. My thing was he should have pushed her out back in in August or July. But Governor McKee yesterday casually mentions the National Guard is going to be stationed in all the hospitals. Let's explain. That's a failure. That's a failure. The McKee, under the McKee administration, with Dr. Scott, Go- Governor McKee yesterday, last week, easily could have said, mask mandate is over the schools. He's not going to do it. His party won't let him do it. This is becoming a Democrat Republican issue. There's no reason that children need masks in schools. You're doing more damage. Children are depressed. Children can't see each other's faces. This is the, the far left that want these masks. And no, all children must be masked. And, you know, nuts like that Senator Sam Bell. They're nuts. People need to speak out. But you're not. If you went to the Rhode Island State House. And, and, and looking for courage, you went to the wrong place because it left that building a long time ago. Nope. Just go along. The Democrat Party is ingrained in the pandemic, ingrained in rules and regulations. You see these people online. Of course, they're crazy. They're nuts. Little four-year-old children. Listen, these are the same people. That are telling, you know, little white children in school, your parents are racist, your grandparents are racist. And then what do they do? They deny that critical race theory even exists. Uh, Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by the Centerdale Revival. Stop it and see Shane and company. You know, that place is great. I'm going to be back there very, very soon. I love it. 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Do yourself a favor. Stop in. Um, they're open for dinner. On the weekends, they do serve lunch. But it's delicious food. But I love the crowd. Right there, the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Comfort food and cocktails. They have done such a good job. I love it there. Stop in and see Shane. So we're going to have on... Um, Folks, the Professor Myers, he's at Providence College, just because, you know, the the, the I, I think it's a little unfair that the media is reporting Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott has decided and they're even like she's not running for office. She never was running for office. She said she was looking at it. There's a lot of people that, you know, they, they want her to run for office. I I'm not one of them. I'm not convinced that she would. That she would be a, you know, a great candidate. If anything, I did want her, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott, I wanted her to run for office. I We still don't know what is this window of opportunity that she supposedly had. It's a little confusing. Governor McKee kept saying, well, she said she had a window of opportunity. So first, her people were floating out that she was maybe going to re- uh, replace Dr. Fauci, which is laughable to me. Uh, then, then this whole business that... She may now run for office. Now she's not doing that. But I, I, she doesn't want to face people the fact that she's getting 46000 a month. I, I, but I believe um, I wanted to see her run so she could hear from people just how much her decisions were, in fact, impacting businesses, impacting families, impacting children. I wanted her to, 
uh, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott to run for office. So, folks, joining us right now, he is the Associate Professor of Political Science at Providence College. I want to welcome to the John DePietro Show. It is Professor Adam Myers. Professor, good afternoon, and thanks for taking the time to join us. Good afternoon, Don. I'm thrilled to be on. I am. Uh, I want to tell you, I have uh, retweeted a lot of your stuff. I am very impressed, um, especially. Uh, you, you listen, I gravitate towards people that tell me things I don't know. And you told me things I didn't know, starting off with your evaluation of this congressional district two uh, race that we have now with Congressman Langevin saying he will not seek reelection. And the first thing that jumped out at me was how you pointed out there's a very good reason why Democrats are fearful of that seat and Republicans have a possibility to be hopeful and it, it really falls within how President Trump performed in CD2 in 2016 and 2020. That's right. Uh, so President Trump did much better in CD2 in 2016 and 2020 uh, than he did in CD1. So in 2016 in particular, uh, Trump got 46% of the two-party vote, meaning if you exclude third-party candidates, uh, Trump got 46% of the two-party vote in CD2. And in, in 2020, he got 43%, right? So it's not quite 50%, but it's getting close, uh, which means I think of CD2 as a light blue district. I mean, it clearly trends Democratic, but it's not nearly as Democratic as CD1. And I think that in this particular political environment, you know, a midterm year and, and the party and the White House almost always does poorly in midterm years. Um, and of course, President Biden's approval ratings are very low. So I think the political environment is favorable for Republicans right now. And so if you couple that with uh, CD2's competitive nature, I think this does open up a, an interesting possibility for Republicans. Now, Professor Myers, um, unfortunately, I haven't seen any um, approval ratings for President Biden in Rhode Island. But if we just look at the national trend, you know, you look at what happened in Virginia, where Biden had won that by 10. Terry McAuliffe went down in defeat. Different states, um, I think in Iowa and even Georgia, President Biden is, I think his approval rating is like 32 percent. I would be very curious to know what his approval rating, not so much in Rhode Island, but what it is in CD2. Yeah, and, and that's something that I, uh, I I just don't know because, you know, pollsters usually don't poll at, in such a, at such a fine-grained level except for, you know, political races themselves, and I haven't done that polling. You know, if I had to guess, I would imagine that it's in the low 40s, maybe low mid-40s, yep. but I, I, I sort of doubt that it's above 50%, yep. which, again, is an ominous sign for Democrats and a, and a good sign for Republicans. Now, how much also, what's also interesting is when in 2012, when they did the redistricting, and the CD1, which was a very, you know, with Pat Con Congressman Patrick Kennedy, I think it was considered at one point the most Democrat district or right up there in the country. But in, in some ways, the fact in the redistricting of CD1 that made it more Democrat because he was having problems in 2012, which would have been his first reelection bid. What they did was open the door to make CD2 uh, a little more Republican friendly. Is that fair? That is absolutely fair. Yeah, they took some of the most Republican parts of the state, especially the northwest corner, uh, Burlville, and switched them from CD1 to CD2. Um, and as a result, um, CD2 now includes all of the, the state's most Republican areas, right? All of those kind of heavily Republican small towns along the state's western border with Connecticut. Now, I should emphasize, right, those areas don't make up anywhere near the majority of the voters in CD2. Um, but um, thanks to that redistricting, they made CD2 considerably more Republican. And, you know, as I kind of, I speculated to Ed Fitzpatrick in the, in the Globe last week that Congressman Langevin's uh, retirement <laughs> didn't actually come at his announcement, didn't come at a, at a very good time for Democrats because, you know, the redistricting process is almost over. Um, had they known that he was going to retire, they might have, you know, shifted some of those uh, areas around again and, and made CD2 a little bit more Democratic. 
um, so that Democrats would have a better chance of holding the district. But I think at this point, it's 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 not officially too late for them to do that. Um, but if they if they did that now, right before the legislature votes on the maps, it would look outrageous. Yes. Folks, again, with us is uh, Professor Adam Myers, uh, political science at Providence College with, uh, by the way, congratulations, number 15 basketball team in the country right now. Coach Cooley has them absolutely spitting bullets. Uh, it, it's it's monumental with everything going on, the program. If they could reach the Sweet six, even just to get to the Sweet 16, it just turns the state upside down. But Professor I also think it's interesting where most of the time when uh, when a Republican wants to run statewide, the problem they run into is Providence because it's so large. Uh, uh, in 2018, you know, uh, Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, he, he did fairly well in other places, but he just got crushed by Gina Raimondo, especially in the east side of Providence. Same thing, by the way, with with President Trump. It, it's a different deal because it, I believe, you know, Warwick Cranston seemingly are on equal footing with the amount of voters in Providence in a CD2 race. Actually, Warwick and Cranston combined um, contribute a lot more to CD2 than, than Providence. Does. Yes. So, because they're entirely in CD2, Warwick yep. is only a part of Providence's. So if you look at uh, votes in votes cast in 2020, um, Warwick is 17% of CD2 and Cranston is 15%. Providence is just nine percent. So um, Warwick and Cranston are much more significant. Yes. And that's why, um, you know, as you look at the field, I know some people don't understand why former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, uh, number one, would be feared by by the party, by Democrats. But on top of that, when you look at where he has performed uh, in 2014, he, he beat Gina Raimondo, who is a tough opponent, beat her in CD2. But in 2018, when Fung lost to Raimondo, he did win Cranston. He won Johnston, that's CD2. He won Coventry. He won West Warwick. I believe he was competitive in North Kingstown and, and also in Warwick. And, Professor, if you have someone, you know, if you're someone, a candidate running in CD2, I mean, you tell me. But if you have someone that wins Cranston, wins Warwick, wins Coventry, wins West Warwick. I, I think that's they're going to be very tough to beat. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I think, you know, so in 2018, as, as you said, uh, Raimondo did win in CD2. Uh, but um, remember, Joe Trillo was kind of an X factor. In yes, that race. good point. He, took, he, he almost certainly took votes away from Fung. Yep. If you add Trillo's votes to, Fung, to Fung's votes in 2018, uh, they almost match Raimondo's vote total. And it's important to bear in mind, the 2018 was a Democrat year. Yes. Right? It was a midterm year. There was an anti-Trump backlash. Tr- uh, Democrats retook control of the U.S. House. So to me, the fact that Trump did that well in CD2 in a Democratic year uh, definitely bodes well for him in 2022, which is likely to be a Republican year. Who do you see as would be a formidable candidate um, for CD2 for this for this go round, just in looking at the geographics without naming a specific person, what who is the type of candidate and we, what would be the path to victory to do well? So I think, again, so for Republicans, right, the, the thing to bear in mind is that the, the hard right parts of the state, you know, like Burrowville, Foster, Situate, um, the parts of the state where Trump won two to one in some cases in 2016, uh, those parts of the state, state, if you add them all up, all those towns, those Republican towns on the western border, they only compose about 15% of the voters right. in CD2. Yep. Right? So if you just nominate a hard right, you know, Trump style candidate that, you know, appeals to voters in those areas, uh, but not in Cranston and Warwick, for example, uh, you're not going to win. Right. So the Republicans need to nominate somebody who can generate enthusiasm in those areas so that people turn out and vote, but also is appealing to more moderate voters in the central part of the state. And what what about on the Democrat side? What about on the Democrat side? So for the Democrats, right, because this is a, um, you know, a, a Democratic leaning district. Right. Not an overwhelmingly Democratic district, but a a Democratic leaning district. 
I think what Democrats need to do is largely nominate somebody who everybody in the Democratic base is uh, finds acceptable, hmm. right? Um, and I think the danger for Democrats right now, given the sheer number of uh, Democratic uh, candidates who are jumping into this race, and the fact that, as you and your listeners well know, there's there's a you know a big division within the Rhode Island Democratic Party between yes. the progressives and the moderates. Yep. The big divi- the big big uh, you know concern for them is that they're going to have a really bloody, messy, divisive primary, and that whoever emerges from that primary. Um, is not going to be able to unite the various parts of the Democratic base behind him or her. Hmm. Professor, I know that from what I've been told, the Democrat leaders, they what they fear is, number one, that a Republican could take CD2. That's step one. Number two, that person then could be potentially uh, a Senate candidate. And suddenly, you know, in the next couple of years, Rhode Island could find itself, which it has not been in a long time. But where you have a Republican in Congress and even potentially a Republican in the Senate. And that's why, to me, that explains the scrambling, you know, going to the front runners in the gubernatorial race of Nellie Gorbea, Seth Magaziner, Helena Folks, trying to get one of them or Speaker Joe Sakachi. But um, there seems to be a real fear that this could just open the floodgates and, you know, start to be the rejuvenation of the Republican Party. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you know, the reality is the Republican Party in Rhode Island does not really have a face associated with with it right now. Yep. Aside from, you know. (laughs) Donald Trump, right? You know, because you know, in the in in the absence of a state level space, people go to the national level. Yep. Um, and so, Republicans in this state need to um, have voters come to associate the state Republican Party with a you know a state Republican elected official. Um, and I do think you're right that if Republicans were able to pull this off. And, and win CD2, that would uh, perhaps create the framework from which they could win statewide elections down the line. Huh. Um, and, and so I, I think you're right. For that reason, Democrats have to be concerned. Do you see anything, and again, folks, we're speaking with Professor Adam Myers, Providence College, political science. Professor, do you see anything that leads you to believe I'm seeing it again. I, I know it's all anecdotal, but you see people putting online that the candidate should be a woman. This is going to be the year of the woman. Um, if we were to remove Rhode Island from the equation, do you see anything nationally that would lead you to believe that that somehow that there is there's a mood that that, you know, a woman should be on whatever, you know, if a woman is the candidate, that they have a better chance than they, you know, maybe in the past or over uh, any other type of candidate? Well, what I would say is this. If you look at Democratic primaries across the country in the past few election cycles for you know U.S. Senate, U.S. House, and, and so forth, um, when a woman goes head-to-head against a man, um, she tends to win. Uh, Democratic primary voters at this moment um, seem to prefer female candidates all else equal. Right. Um, And and we can talk about why that is. There's a lot of different theories. So, you know, if uh, the CD, the CD two Democratic primary race came down to Seth Magaziner against a single woman. Yep. um, You know, I think just Democratic primary voters being what they are and having the preferences that they do, that that woman, whoever she is, would probably have a very good chance. you know, but given the fact there's going to be so many different candidates in this race and they're going to split the vote all sorts of different ways, hmm. I, I certainly wouldn't want to predict that. Yeah, I think you had a good line. You know, Seth Magazina lives one mile from from CD2, but in Rhode Island, you know, that's <laughs> that's a long way. I, I'm with you. I think, you know, I thought that Dan McGowan's piece I had him on earlier that he thought he should have stayed in the governor's race. Um I I believe the Magaziner campaign, I know why they jumped in and left the race for governor, but I I think when all is said and done, he's going to look back and say he should have just stayed in the race for governor. That's just my personal view. Yeah, you know, it's a tricky, it's it a tricky call. I can understand why he decided to jump into the congressional race. 
I, I have to imagine that um, being governor of Rhode Island would be more appealing to somebody than being one of 435 members of the House. Right. Especially given that, you know, again, it's not clear. And I want to and I want to emphasize this. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to predict what's going to happen. But based on the national mood right now and what we know uh, generally happens in midterm elections, it does look like Republicans are going to take control of the House. So, yep. you know, um, the uh, representative from CD2, if they're a Democrat, they're going to be a part of the minority party. Mm. And being a part of the minority party in, in the House is, is no fun, really. No. So... You know, I'm not exactly like it seems like being governor is a more attractive proposition. But what do I know? Right. But Professor, it's just five seats, right? If they can flip five seats, I think it's going to be much more than that. But if they can flip five seats, uh, do you see anything that would stop Kevin from uh, Kevin McCarthy from being the next speaker of the House? Yeah, it's just five seats. um, And that and, you know, again, given the national environment, it looks like. It's likely to happen. I guess what I would say is this, you know, November is still a long way off from sure. Um, And, you know, the national environment could change if, you know, the country opens up more, if inflation is held under control, if the unemployment rate continues to be low Mm. and the economic situation is going to look really good and that's going to improve Democrats prospects. And then there's the one big sort of X factor. And I, I don't know how big of a deal this actually would be, but it certainly looks likely that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to strike down Roe v. Wade. Yep. Right. And some people think that that's going to create, you know, a, an anti-Republican backlash, which could bode favorably for Democrats in the fall. So those are the kinds of factors where, you know, I just don't know. Um, but certainly at this point, it looks like the Republicans will take control of the House. Before I let you go, Professor Myers, we certainly appreciate the time. Is there anything else about this CD2 race that you are either intrigued by or just feel uh, that, you know, it kind of you came across some information that found it interesting or just kind of like something to watch? So, again, I see um, that the the reason I'm intrigued by CD2 is because, you know, as you know, John, right now, um, there is not a single uh, Republican U.S. House member from New England. Yes. The only Republican in Congress from New England is Susan Collins, and she's in the Senate. Um, And, you know, it it looks like, given the way that Republicans in New Hampshire are redrawing the lines there, it looks like there may be a... Uh, Republican House member from New Hampshire um, in 2023. But, you know, I think it would be quite interesting if if a Republican resurgence in New England started in Rhode Island, right? Yes. Which is why, you know, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by what's going to happen in this race. Yes. And I'll, I'll tell you this on this final note. Um, in talking with the party, you know, right now we have two candidates, uh, Bob Lancia and then also Jessica De La Cruz, Who's also announced now? she doesn't live in the district yet, but but she would be a different type of candidate, young, female, uh, Republican. She would be very interesting. And I also know my conversations with speaking with the party that uh, they're very intrigued that if the Republican Party could point to the resurgence led by an Asian-American Republican now, they feel in Washington that if Alan Fong jumped into the race, if Alan Fong won that race, that uh, reaching out and bringing more Asian-Americans under the Republican umbrella is um, is a very attractive uh, possibility for the Republican Party nationwide, nationwide now. Yeah, uh, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, a lot of people argue that Asian Americans are kind of the natural voting block for the Republican Party. Yes. And so the and so the fact that Republicans haven't exploited that yet is interesting. Yes. And perhaps, you know, I don't know, but, you know, perhaps Fung can play a role in kind of um, – opening up the Republican Party to Asian American voters. Yeah, well, you know, Michelle Wu, as mayor of Boston, she certainly uh, is making her imprint, just has a completely different approach. And uh, again, I've even heard 
that if in fact was uh, Alan Fung, I mean, they could potentially make him almost the Republican response like that. I don't think people realize just how level high level it could go. And the Republicans see that exactly as you said, it's a natural. They should be under the umbrella of the Republican Party. And for him to start the resurgence, you imagine the only Republican representative of New England would be a Republican Asian American in the form of Alan Funk. Folks, he is a political science professor, Adam Myers. Professor, I mean, it. keep up the great work. I'm intrigued in following your work, and we're going to talk to you again. Okay, thanks, John. Have All right. Done. All right, folks, there he is, Professor Adam Myers, right here on the John DePietro Show. Now, again, folks, right now at 1251, good afternoon. I want to be very clear. I am neutral in this race. Jessica De La Cruz is in the race. Uh, Bob Lancey is in the race. Cranston Mayor Alan Fung may get in the race. He may not. May get in the race, may not. Um, Patricia Morgan, Rep. Morgan may get in the race, may not. I'm looking at all possibilities. Uh, Jessica De La Cruz, a young female. You know, I, I can go with endless possibilities on her. Meaning, I would love to see her debate a Seth Magaziner. Uh, or whoever may emerge on the Democrat side. Maybe it is going to be a female. Maybe it is going to be a female on the Democrat side. But it's that's how, if there was ever going to be a time, it's this year, right? It's not a presidential year. A lot of people don't vote. Although, see, it's different for Rhode Island because we have the statewide races. So people will come out, vote for governor, will vote for um, mayor of Providence, gets a lot of voters out. As opposed to an off election year, but this is a, a real opportunity, and the fact that Biden just continues to you know really um, collapse. You know the professor's right; still have a long way to go. They could maybe turn it around. I don't see it right now. Um, it's possible, but a lot of primaries are going to be held. See, we're late with the September primary. In a lot of other states, their primaries are held in May and June. So now right now it's February, so you could say, well, there's a lot of time until September primary or the November election. But for a number of um, different states, think of that. The, the clock is ticking. You're talking like starting this month and next month, you're going to start to see, for those that follow it, you know, debates around the country for primaries being held in May and June. So I believe the Rhode Island primaries are way too late. The Rhode Island primaries should be in June. It would then give the campaigns the entire summer and fall to kind of collect themselves because by us having it September, then it's like, boom, flashbang. I think it's designed that way to give the Republicans a disadvantage. And just then it's like a short window to the election. Um, But the the clock is ticking. Now, also, uh, let me also just say this, folks, this portion of the program is brought by Henry Oil. That's right. Call Henry Oil today. Fill that oil tank. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Henry Oil. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Listen, you heard the groundhog came out, and unfortunately, winter will continue. So call Henry Oil. Automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Write down this phone number. 401 401- Five two one zero two hundred four zero one five two one zero two hundred serving most Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. Henry Oil and online at henryoil.com. Folks, this portion of the program at twelve fifty four. Now, also, it's a nice dry day. There's a lot of melting going on. Thank goodness I was out uh, last night. I, it's incredible the amount of snow that's out there. But listen, it's a nice day. And the roads are clear. What are you doing right now? Why not swing in and say hello to our friend Marie at It's My Health. Are you on Menden Road? 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can pop in, see Marie at It's My Health. Diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. Vitamins, herbal remedies. How about some delicious tea? Or also teas and spices. And you know what's good? She has all different spices that you can put in with your cooking. And it's healthy for you, like forms of mushrooms. She has great local products. She has hemp and CBD products. Right now, at 12.55 on this Wednesday, if you're on Menden Road, I implore you, pop in, say hello, buy something, shop local, 
It's My Health, Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. That all-white church with the flag, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Pop in there right now. Say hello there, Marie. Uh, Juan was just talking about you on the radio. Yes, It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. So just to repeat, um, you know, another um, wild card situation to me, then we don't know the impact, would be, in fact, if things really um, flame up, if things really flame up on the situation with Ukraine and Russia. That could be uh, a major, major problem if, in fact, that that happens. So if, if go, things go in that direction, this could be um, very, very difficult. I also see, you know, Governor McKee just tweeted out a short time ago, the McKee-Matos administration is all in on addressing housing availability and affordability. You know, he is, um, he is really riding with that. And, um, and the fact of the matter is that, you know, that, that is, um, he, he's all in with, her as the administration, and then he's going to have to stand by that. He's going to have to uh, stand by that because I don't, I don't particularly believe. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's a good move for him. But he seems to feel that that is his path right now. That is his path to be elected governor. I'm also just seeing unions say Governor McKee administration has let. Fact, vacancies in social worker ranks go unfilled, so there's a need of services. You know, there's always something with that. I think it's also interesting. Um, oh, that's that Leonard, the guy running against Ruggiero. Okay, that uh, the Matt Brown candidacy has really um, absolutely just fallen by the the wayside. But I want to just right now at twelve fifty seven again touch on. You know, last night you you see it. It's ridiculous. All these people go to the state house. And all these people want to testify, and a number of uh, people um, went to try to talk about that Governor McKee should not have emergency power, that children should not have masks on, and they're not even listened to. And but folks, that that's the way the state house operates. They don't like people going up there. They don't like to be questioned. Um, you know, I, the, the, but the, the way to beat them is not by going up and testifying. This, you know, this should be where people just start announcing that they're going to run for office. The Republican Party should have been up there last night. The Republican Party should be funneling all these people into, um, into the Republican Party to run. And if they don't do that, they have no one to blame but themselves. But that's what should be happening with that. Of course, it doesn't make sense. We don't need to be in an emergency situation. But Governor McKee, you know, he, he's not going to he's going to hold on to this as long as he can. Uh, with He throws money around. He's reckless with spending. He's not as transparent as he should be. But the General Assembly, it's an election year. They don't want to be questioned why they took certain votes. And so they're going to just continue down this path of, hey, it wasn't me. Right. It's the Shaggy song. It wasn't me. It was uh, it was the governor doing those things. Now, folks, at 1259. Good afternoon. It's the John DePietro show. Now, again, we're going to break at the top of the hour for the one o'clock news. There's big development. CNN is in complete meltdown. I mean it. The mainstream press between Whoopi Goldberg uh, suspended for two weeks. Chris Cuomo fired. Now, Je- uh, Jeff Zuckerberg, the leader of CNN, uh, left CNN, resigned today. They are just imploding. Uh, it- it's incredible what's happening. So we're going to break for the one o'clock news. We have another full hour to go. Leave it right here. It's WNRI Socket. W260DC. WNRI.